Okay, everybody, welcome back to Other Duties as Assigned. I'm Scott Smith here with Patrick Screen. Today we're going to be talking about maybe the most unsung of heroes within college athletics departments. Um, they're very near and dear to us as we were both uh, one of them at one point in our careers. That's the student equipment managers. Uh, we're going to talk about just kind of what it is to be a student equipment manager, what that job looks like, and, and kind of the ins and outs of, of the day-to-day and the, the week-to-week of that job because it's, it's one that not a lot of people – who know who they are. They just see them buzzing around like busy bees uh, throughout the week. So we're going to get right into that. Yeah, I'm actually looking forward to this one. Uh, it's a topic that you and I have, have talked about wanting to do an episode about for a little bit. And uh, we're finally getting to it. And it's actually kind of building off of, off of this. We're going to start a oh. whole new whole new series um, with this as well, uh, talking to student managers. So I'm, I'm real excited to, to dig into this today. But Let's go ahead and start off talking about kind of what uh, a student manager does on a daily basis and what their role really uh, requires. Yeah, I think everyone knows the main parts of what we all do as student managers is, you know, you're at every practice, you set up all the practice equipment, the hand shields, balls, you know, all the the big pop-up dummies that everybody loves so much. You're going to break that stuff down at the end of practice you usually, uh, most programs, especially the bigger ones, you're assigned to a coach. You kind of follow them in that position around and, and just help him out with any of the practice needs that he may have. But a lot of the, the jobs that you actually see equipment managers doing as students are really the, the busy work inside the equipment room. Unless you come in, you know, you might not even know that those kids exist outside of the practice field. But if you work in equipment, you know that 90% of your job is spent inside and you're doing inventory and laundry and everything else. So a week-to-week basis for them is is up to 40 hours sometimes um, on top of taking a full-time class schedule. And, you know, there's only a handful of those are actually spent on the field where I think most of the most important work they do to keep the program running is going to be that inside stuff. Yeah, definitely. I mean, everything from, you know, your, your daily laundry to the, the most monotonous stuff of – counting inventory, folding, putting stuff away, making sure everything's in its right place. And I, I would say one of the more disgusting sides of it is kind of locker room cleanup because mm-hmm. let's be honest, student athletes are, are they're a pretty gross bunch. And well, I mean, you know, if you, if you have a group of guys that, that don't care and they just, you know, throw stuff all over the place and towels and leave food in their lockers or whatever it may be, uh, we have to make sure, especially now more than ever, that uh, the locker room is as clean as possible, sterile, and uh, a place where these young men and women can come in, do what they need to do, get out to practice, get out for games, and uh, we want to make it uh, as nice as possible in there. Yeah, and I think, not to go on a tangent about locker room cleanliness, because every equipment guy can, but the funniest ones to me as a student manager was always, and now, I guess, was when you go in there to clean out someone's locker and there's like a big ball of tape and pre-wrap that they've just not thrown away when every locker room now, because of things like this, has a trash can every five feet. Uh, Little pet peeve, that one's always hilarious. But the biggest thing that I want people to take away from this episode is go back and listen or think back on our other episodes where we talk about, you know, winter and spring oh, you're taking apart helmets, you're doing this, you're getting ready for this, or you talk about bowl games when you've got all this stuff to do and you do that, da-da-da-da. The student managers are doing 90% of that work. As a, as a full-time employee, 
we are we are big picture. We're delegating a lot. We're we're in there in the trenches with them. But you know, we're we're getting pulled away from meetings. We're getting pulled away for emails. We're getting you know uh, we're making sure okay if they're doing six tasks, we can't devote everything we've got to one task because we've got to go make sure the other five are getting done right. So student managers really are the backbone. They do ninety percent of the work under our direction, and it's it's not you know, the college football that we all know without a bunch of student managers, you know, setting up those locker rooms for those nice pregame graphics and everything like that. Yeah. The, the, it's, it's funny speaking of, I mean, inventory, I know I brought it up earlier. It, one of the big things. So when I was up at Cincinnati at working as an assistant, we had 18 student managers. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it was, it was great. I mean, we had basically two for every position, but th- we were able to, well, we were in the process of going through an audit of, of everything, trying to make sure that everything's where it should be and that we have what we say we do. So going through mm-hmm. and having these guys count every single thing we have in that equipment room, probably once every two weeks to to sure everything up. And then not only that, but I mean, you're at a, a bigger institution that has a lot of money. I mean, the amount of shoulder pads, the amount of helmets, all the different things, even old stuff i mean oh yeah you know, you know what it's like whenever you have old stuff boxed up back in a in a little closet somewhere we need to count all of that too and make sure that's everything that we say we have because if a box of stuff goes missing that's you know it's hundreds of dollars of apparel or equipment or whatever it may be that is unaccounted for and that's not a good yeah. thing i mean we need to know what we have yeah i mean everyone looks at an equipment room and says oh well there's a box of baseball jerseys from 1974 we don't really need those don't care what happens to them until your ad comes up and is like hey we should really sell off our old uniforms didn't we have some old jerseys from the 70s those would be great people would pay top dollar and then you're like <laughs> yeah so you got to keep track of all that stuff when you're talking about i mean it's easy to count stuff at a small school if you don't have much stuff right but the bigger the school the more amplified that is but if you're talking about one or two full-time people are going to be expected to count everything in a, a given equipment room. It's going to take a long time. And that's where student managers always come in and you can set them off on projects and, and usually they uh, somehow get it done. Maybe I don't know how I, some of the projects I've given my student managers have, they've amazed me and it's, it, I really thought this was going to week, be a week long thing and they've done it in three hours and they did it right. But I mean, I guess I guess between getting to the dining hall and getting home to play video games and stuff like that is is good motivation. But all I know is they get it done. Yeah, I mean, it, it's crazy. I mean, just thinking back at at Georgia Southern, there were plenty of tasks that Stu and I would give to like you and Clayton and, and all of those guys, and we we felt like it was going to take you an entire day to do it, like going down to the practice field and cleaning up the shed, going up making sure that uh, the, the locker room doing um, hardware checks in the locker room each day or, you know, once a week before right. games, making sure that guys stuff hasn't rusted out or if any clips or face masks or whatever it may be needs to be replaced, you know, you guys bring it to us and we start working on it or you or Clayton, you know, switch out a mask real quick or something. But, you know, there were times where it was a task that I knew that would take you guys an entire day. And like four hours later, you're like, all right, we're done. I'm like, all right, that well, let's find something else for them to do. <laughs> like, let's—I guess we're gonna find something else for you guys to do because we're not gonna send you home yet. Because 
there are, I mean, there's always something and that's the one thing too. There's always something to do. It's not like we just find tasks for you guys to do just to, just to keep you busy. Yeah. It's just, we plan out certain things during the day for, to be done. And that list of priorities, that first thing is always something that we know is going to take a long time. And if you get it done quickly, we're like, all right, well, I guess we can transition to this, but it's always the first couple times you do it with like a new staff, you're always worried that if they're rushing through things, that something's going to get missed. But it's such a cool feeling whenever you can hammer stuff out and you have a, a staff that's really kind of like committed to the job and they go in and they just crush it and do it quickly and you can trust them to get it done. Yeah. And, and we've all probably had that boss like we had uh, with Stu where if you didn't do it right, you were all coming back up there. And that was like, yeah. something that our weekly duties were, I think that, you know, at the time we would do, I think it was on Tuesdays, we would tighten. So we'd tighten the helmets and shoulder pads, um, the back plates, and we'd tighten screws and stuff like that back before there were such things as quick releases and everything else that you see now that you don't really have to do as much maintenance on. But well, it, was would, the fir- we, it was the first run of the quick release, and that was just bad. Yeah. Well, we would go through and we would uh, do all that stuff on Tuesdays. And usually there wasn't any problems there, but on Wednesday, Stu would come in. We would go and sanitize everything. We'd wipe down the insides of the helmets. We'd do all that stuff. And I know Wednesday, because a lot of times I would stay behind and um, help Stu, and he would go through and he'd check just the buckles, do his do his helmet maintenance, that he would basically make sure that we did our job on Tuesday and Wednesday. And there was one time I remember in particular, but it happened a few where – the guys got <clears throat> popsicles after practice. And the and wrapper was still in the helmet. The wrapper was in the I helmet. I remember that. I, I stopped. That. Yep. The popsicle had been melted, so it was just juice. And there was just like sticky red, blue, like juice inside this guy's helmet. And we just got a picture in the group chat. And it was, get your ass back up here. Yeah. <laughs> and so 12 student managers were back. like, And we were all assigned uh, like... It was like 12 of us, I think. So it was like one. You, if you had number one, you'd have number 13. And you go through it. So we're all looking at it like, whose helmet is that? Who, why are we back up here? Like a lot of kids were leaving the dining hall coming back after eating. So the, I mean, those things happen, but it's because of that that we were so good after time because we knew that there was a, an expectation and a level of service that we were expected to provide. Yeah. And it can't just... I mean, there's, there aren't enough full-time people to be able to handle those jobs, especially at a smaller school. And we rely on you guys to be able to do a lot of different things. And, you know, it's, it, we do ask a lot of student managers across the board, but it's because of these people that, that were able to succeed and that games are able to happen and these guys go out to practice and they don't have a, a worry in the world, the, the student, um, student athlete or even the coach for that matter shouldn't have a worry in the world because we're able to do our jobs the right way. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think that kind of covers the overview. We want to get into some of the more specific things that, that, you know, student managers have to do. We've obviously talked about some of that inside stuff and then you kind of know what they do at practice, but a big part of the student managers pay off for what they do. Cause usually there's not a lot of money involved if there's any, sometimes there's a little scholarship, sometimes you're paid employees. Um, but a big payoff that I always tell my students is, you get free gear, um, Nike, Adidas, Under Armour, whatever school you're at, and you get to be on the sideline at games. So there's a lot that goes into that. You don't just show up before the game starts, get your pass, and stand on the sideline like it's a ticket. 
Um, usually student managers on game day are there six hours before. Um, I know we always were. Sometimes if we get a lot done on a Friday night, I'll let my kids come in about four hours. Uh, but the the big thing with game day is that it is the most rewarding part of the job. When you're in season, those practices are the easiest because we did Tuesday, tomorrow's Wednesday. After Wednesday, it's you know a lighter practice on Thursday. After Thursday, there's a walkthrough on Friday, and then it's game day. So you're always working up to that Saturday, and um, student managers are pretty busy there. It's a payoff, but it's still a lot of work. So let's let's dive into some of those duties. There there's some inside duties with like locker room setup and uh, the equipment window, which is I'm sure being at Cincinnati, especially you know that that's a busy place on game days. That that issue window. Very. Uh, yeah, I mean it. It depends on you. Kind of split them up into two different groups. You know, you have your inside guys, your outside guys for the beginning. Um, but the inside group, I mean, setting out uniforms, setting out game loops, kind of double checking helmets just to make sure. I mean, if you have game helmets or you know practice helmets, you're pulling the practice helmet out of the locker. You're putting their game helmet out. It, depending on the um, the the football equipment manager. Either you're putting jerseys on shoulder pads, you're laying the jersey in the locker, hanging the jersey in the locker. There are a lot of other things that, you know, little minute details that certain people like to do uh, in terms of their locker room setup. Uh, but the equipment issue, like the window or if it's a road game, like your equipment trunk, like you have like a specific trunk for, you know, gloves, mm. compression shirts, compression shorts, padded girdles, all like the little stuff. I mean, you always make sure that you're carrying probably... 20 sets of knee pads and thigh pads and shells and all that crap because everybody is going to forget theirs because they don't want to wear them. I usually only had one person inside for the equipment issue once the team got there just because I wanted everybody down on the field getting everything set up and ready and the less people you have in the locker room. I mean, again, this is visiting team stuff. or I say visiting team away game stuff just because uh, most visiting team locker rooms are small and you can't have a lot of people in there. So Usually it was like me and one student manager up in the facility, like in the locker room on game days. And the one big thing too is once the guys got start getting dressed, putting shoulder pads on and jerseys on shoulder pads, like that's sometimes a two person crew to do it. I mean, especially you know, I mean, I know you remember the the Carbon Tech shoulder pad. There were any every single guy that I had that wore a Carbon Tech shoulder pad would come to me to help me get their their uniform on just because it was a different process and you know there was a specific way to do it so yeah and everybody wants to wear a medium jersey so uh the tighter the jersey the harder it is to get over some shoulder pads so i mean having a couple sets of hands up there to help with that it was always ideal yeah and and i do most of my locker room setup i've always done on fridays um when you can obviously sometimes you go on the road and um, some of these places that'll have like your visiting team locker room is in the field house where basketball is or something that's next to the football stadium. Sometimes that locker room is being used um, if there's like a Friday night event. So sometimes you can't get in until Saturday, but the locker room setup is something that I think every equipment manager that I've probably ever encountered takes very serious. They take a lot of pride in it. So we want, as equipment managers, our goal is for on game day, we want the coaches to worry about coaching, players to worry about playing, that coach's locker room, that player's locker room, it's always immaculate. Um, you're talking jerseys on pads. For me, I have all the helmets facing in the same direction towards face the, the field. field. Yep, you got to face the field, but they'll always um, be in the same spot on the 
on the locker. Um, it's different everywhere you go with those visiting team locker rooms because you never know what the locker situation is going to be. Sometimes you just get a chair and you got to make it look as best you can. But just having their their pants are in this spot. Their socks are right here. Their gloves are right here. You know, everything's set up a certain way. And so that takes a lot of time. Um, there's a lot of music that gets blasted during those locker room setup sessions. It's a lot of fun. Some of your best um, Snapchat memories will come from from there where you go back and see what stupid stuff you guys were doing in the locker room afterwards. But that is one of the fun parts of the job. And then I always say like that Saturday is, is I call it the quality control check where I go back through and I'll adjust one helmet, maybe five degrees to the left and just make it all make sure everybody, when we, when we did our decal party, make sure, you know, when they did it, they got all the front bumpers, all the back bumpers. We replaced any flags that have fallen off that kind of thing. And then when the team comes there, especially if you ever do like a special uniform that they didn't know about or, or something like that and you put it out, it's it's a really exciting thing when the team comes before they crash the window, they walk in the locker room for the first time and you know that they're appreciating all the work you just did the last couple of days. So the student managers, I mean, that would take days if it wasn't for a bunch of busy bees helping helping get all that done. Yeah, I mean it's a uh, it's it's organized chaos on on game days really when it all comes down to it and trying to find time even to just feed them quickly before um, yeah. the team arrives and I mean just a little just the little details and the production that we have to put on uh, it's it's pretty crazy but like you said it wouldn't it wouldn't happen without that that group of people so it's it's pretty awesome and then let's talk a little bit about then you know what that that outside crew does too. One of the big things, and it was always it's always interesting to see what what the equipment manager decides to do for this, and and who they delegate to to handle some of these these things. But headsets, mm-hmm. game day headsets, and the the full test of the system. And I was always particular about headsets. I know you know you were part of that whenever I was at Georgia Southern, mm-hmm. but I wanted to be there to set it up because if something went wrong. And I had just delegated some student managers to do it. Then coach would look at me like, what the hell is your problem? You need to make sure these things are done right. So being there, but I mean that you have to get all the way up in the press box, set everything up, set it out the way that they like it set up in terms of who sits where, if there's two rows, who's going to sit on the back row and cable management, because everything's wired up in the press box and you don't want just a ton of crap sitting all over the place. So, I mean, I know, Scott, you, you have a lot of experience with the headset stuff, too. Yeah, I mean, that was something that after my freshman year, we had somebody graduate, I think, and they were just like, hey, we need someone else to help um, who we have. Like, George Southern, it was always the full-time assistant and one student, uh, or two students, and it was like, hey, we need someone else to help these guys because one kid graduated and the other one's about to graduate. So they needed a student who knew what was going on, so it was like, I would love to do it. I got lucky enough to, to go out there and do it. And I did the upstairs for the long time while the full time did the, the downstairs because it was a little more complicated. But it is it's something that gets overlooked. I would say all the inside stuff is the pretty stuff. Um, what you see on social media with with, you know, people taking pictures of the locker rooms that are set up. But the outside stuff is really the important stuff. It's what you need to play a game. If the coaches headsets don't work, then um you know, you're going to get a lot of upset coaches going to be yelled at. And sometimes they go down in game. And as our friends over at Coach Com can attest to, um, that's when equipment managers get stressed. <laughs> but 
It's it is. It's a lot, and and it gets overlooked, especially cable management, like you said. I mean, that's one thing that you're taping cables down to the floor and trying to keep that place neat, and you don't you kind of overlook it until you delegate it one time, and then you go up there to check on, it and you're like, oh god, and someone just ran a bunch of cables and didn't just, just didn't have crap everywhere. Process to it. Yeah, you're like, oh no. So yeah, I mean that is that is the biggest thing. Aside from that, there's a lot that goes to pregame setup between like getting the benches, how the coaches like it, to talk to the players, um, making sure whiteboards are set up, getting all your whatever pregame stuff you guys do. Most teams don't use a lot of equipment. It's mostly just balls, but sometimes you'll have a hand shield or two out there. We get balls to the specific stations too because, I mean, you have a certain area of the field where you can actually work and, you know, your kickers are the first ones out and you want to have guys out there to, to shag balls for them, kickers and punters and, you know, just making sure that you have people in the right spot and footballs in the right spot so that, like you said, when they come out, there's not a worry. They come out, they're ready to go. They can get as much work in as they need to before the game so that they are able to perform at their highest level. I mean, pregame is is a very organized ballet that leads up to a, a couple hours of aggression. I mean, it's there's everything is by the minute – you know, kickers are out at 116 or whatever it is, you know, an hour and 16 before they come out. Every team's different how long they do their pregame. But it's all broken down. If you ever if you ever uh, are involved with the program, you know this. There's always a little printed off laminated sheet of paper that's got the times where kickers are out at this, quarterbacks and centers out here, you know, returners come out, then everyone else, then we do this drill, then this drill, then this drill. No one's really hitting each other because you're not going to hit each other right before you play a game. Uh, you're not going to hit your own team. So it's a lot of like, I always say it's funny because the DBs are always doing their little pirouette drills. Wide receivers are doing a lot of stuff while trying to look pretty. And O-line, D-line are doing the most physical thing that they can do without really putting their hands on each other. And it's, it's just so funny to me that it's it's this weird dance that we do as football teams right before, you know, we go inside for the last 20 minutes. You run out on the field and then you try to beat the crap out of the other team for, for a couple hours. Yeah, and then you know when when the team comes back on the field, then you have specific assignments for your student managers. At that point, you have some guys that are going to be running balls, and for those that don't know what that means, that's you see somebody running up and down the sideline, holding a, two or three footballs in their hands, handing them to the refs, throwing them in the field, and collecting balls that are you know maybe thrown out of bounds or collecting uh, field goals, extra points, things of that nature, uh, making sure that there's a football ready and available for the for the refs so that the game runs smoothly. That's a lot of that is on a student manager. Everybody remembers red lightning from, oh, from yeah. Florida, Florida state sprinting his butt down the field one, because he was just an awesome dude. And like, that's what he did. Like that was his thing running around, staying up, trying to keep up with the team. But he was also always on the ball, always on the line of scrimmage, ready to get a ball into the, to the refs. Cause high tempo offenses, that's what they require. So, uh, you know, yeah. those really unsung heroes there. And a lot of st- a lot of those high tempo offenses, what people it gets laughed at sometimes, I think. But a lot of those guys will have student managers wearing referee jerseys in practice. And I know when I was at Georgia Southern, we had a coach that was kind of like that and wanted it high tempo, wanted the guys to find the referee as soon as the the play was done and hand them the ball, so they couldn't even throw us the ball. So a lot of times we were meeting them halfway. So we ran a lot of student managers. We were all in pretty good shape that year for that reason, but. That's, I mean, that can make a difference if you're trying to get a, a, a playoff every 20 seconds as opposed to every 30 seconds. 
quicker you get a ball in, you know, the, the quicker they can get that ball spotted and get it going. But yeah, if you ever see somebody holding balls, um, usually too excited on the sideline or catching a field goal that, you know, barely went through from a long distance and their hands are raised up in there acting, acting silly, wearing khaki shorts, it's probably a student manager. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just typically how it goes. But then just as important as those guys are, you've got, Usually managers assigned to the benches, so they'll um, they'll hang out and watch, say, the offense while they're on the field. Then as soon as they score a touchdown or have to punt or something, they come running off. They're running over to the bench. They're passing out towels. They're handing the coach the whiteboard with markers. They're keeping up with all that stuff because the last thing you want is, a, is the O-line coach to come off the field and, and find his whiteboard, but his markers got kicked, and who knows where they are right now, and I need a towel for – you know, to do this, blah, blah, blah. That's why you have student managers over there covering that kind of thing. Um, same thing happens on the defensive bench. And if, if God forbid, anything ever happens with your headset system and you have to run cords, student managers are the first ones stepping up to do that. I've been there, done that. So it's a lot of stuff that happens before the game, during the game. I mean, for the most part, you do get to watch the game while, while doing your job, but it's, it's not just show up to the game and here's your ticket. Enjoy. Yeah. You don't just get to stand on the sideline and watch a game. Uh, you're constantly busy. And I mean, I can't tell you how many times that somebody left something in the locker room or a guy blows out shoes and has a mm-hmm. second pair in the locker room. And I'm like, Hey, Scott, go run yeah. your butt back inside and go get, you know, 12 shoes. Cause he, he, he just blew them out. And I mean, we can tape them up for, for now, but if you get out there and get them, he should be able to play by the next series. <laughs> I will. I won't say who it was, um, and I don't remember exactly what it was. But I remember when I was um, I worked in the NFL for a year, and we were. I don't know if you've ever been there, but Detroit um, was it Ford no. Field. They've got. We got to the sideline, and it was as soon as we got to the sideline, <clears throat> we're about to kick off, and this was a defensive player that had something. Who he? It was. I want to say it was like a headband or a mouthpiece or something, but he had to have that one. It was lucky, whatever you want to call it. And I'm standing there next to our head guy, and he comes up, and he's like, man, I left in the locker room, I left in the locker room. And I didn't even think about it because that was one of my jobs is, you know, I was always running back in the locker room for stuff because usually I knew where guys kept stuff from you're around their locker so much doing helmet maintenance that I could usually find it or I knew the names of all the cleats and everything else, so I would grab exactly what we needed. So. I did that, so I didn't even think about it. As soon as he said it, I knew where his locker was. I set up his locker, so I went running, not thinking about, oh, yeah, that was like a good two-and-a-half-minute walk downhill to get to the field from where the visiting team locker room in this place Ooh. is. So I'm, like, sprinting, and you're already – adrenaline's going. You're excited. First year in the NFL, and it's about to be a kickoff or an NFL game. And I get to the hill, and I'm like, oh, yeah. And it's – I mean, <laughs> I'm talking straight uphill to this locker room. I get back and and I made it back just in time. Thank God for for TV games, NFL, and, and kickoff takes three minutes to actually get it done. But yeah. I come running back down this hill and onto the sideline. I'm, you know, you're yeah, breathing you're straight up, you're gassed. Going. Yeah, and the guy's like, "Thanks," and just goes and walks off. And my head guy's just sitting there laughing, like we could have sent a clubby in there for that. Like you didn't, you didn't have to kill yourself. I'm like, it's cool. It's cool. Wow. Not college anymore where you're the only people that have to do that. <laughs> yeah, but it was just like, you know, there's people that I could send in here in the NFL to do this. You're not like a student manager anymore. I could use you on the sideline. <laughs> but I didn't miss any game. It's fine. But it was just funny that it's like you don't even think about it as, as, as you do it so many times. 
just take off and sprint in some of these stadiums that it's funny because at the highest level, some of these stadiums are so big, the locker room's far away. And then at the lowest level of college football, some of these stadiums are so small that the closest locker room they can put you in is miles away. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, it's, it's almost like they purposely try to convenience the visiting team as much as possible by making you walk three quarters of a mile to your locker room up and down three hills and up six flights of stairs. Oh yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about, you know, your post game stuff though. The nasty stuff. Yeah. I mean, the one, the one big thing is collecting laundry, uh, making sure that you're getting all your uniforms back, jerseys and, and pants. And I always had like a checkoff sheet just to make sure. And I had, you know, student managers in the locker room. I had student managers that were trying to clear the field. So, I mean, again, we split up into groups. Some guys went straight back up into the locker room with the team to try and start expediting the laundry process, get all that stuff back. And then you have to you have to clear the field. You have to break down all the headsets. You have to collect all your footballs, make sure you get all your balls back, and make sure nothing gets left on the sideline, uh, any of your trunks or any of the players' stuff as well. Yeah, the post-game stuff is always, you know, split up kind of similar to your, you know, your inside crew and your outside crew. Um, for me, I always like to have as many students as I could, um, or at least as many students as I had, things that we were collecting. So it was easy for me to have, like, okay, here, this student's going to collect the jerseys. Like you say, you can check it off in real time there, make sure you got them all back. But they're going to you know, help me look for stains. We're going to go ahead and pre-treat those, spray it down, whatever, lay it in the bin, keep it organized. Um, And then the same with like one kid's going to collect loops. When that bin gets full, just go ahead and start it. I want to get the loops washing in the dryer before I start Jersey. So if I need to soak them overnight, we're good there. There's nothing worse than coming in the next day and have loops that have sat there sweaty for overnight. That's a good smell. So um, the worst. Yeah, so just having a crew inside that helps you do that. But then the way the stadium looks in the morning um, before you set up the field is the way it needs to look at the end of the day before you let them leave. And most equipment guys, I'll say, that I've talked to kind of do it similar where after you get all the laundry rolling and everything's cleaned up, you let the students go home because at that point it's already a 12-hour day for them. So (laughs) you're handling the rest yourself. But it is. It's a lot of stuff afterwards that – gets overlooked especially if you're a program that has like white game cleats a lot of the times you're banging those off you're cleaning those before you even put them back in the trunk um or on a shelf whatever you may have them so students are are often in charge of getting that stuff back and helping out then throughout the week um continuing to treat that stuff clean that stuff and get it so that by the time next saturday rolls around and you see the team run out of the tunnel they look just as good as the previous saturday yeah and and it, the hardest part is to just make sure. I mean, I don't know. Every school is a little bit different, but I mean, a good example is at Richmond. The guys would just hang out in the on the concourse after the game, talking to their families, and I'd have to like walk back outside from the from the equipment room. And be like, guys, go take a shower. Like, your parents will be okay if it takes you ten minutes to go take a shower. They'd rather talk to you when you don't smell like you just played an entire football game. Like, go shower, turn your stuff in. I'd rather not be here all night, but. Let's be honest. How many nights after game days, especially a night game, did we end up just staying in the equipment room, spending the night, and then the next morning, like you said, you you would let your student managers go next morning on Sundays. Sometimes, you know, if you have some type of walkthrough practice or just like a, mm-hmm. a reha- rehab day, I'm bringing the student managers back in because they're going to help me put all those laundry loops away. They're going to help me 
sort through the jerseys. And then if we have to, again, treat and wash, treat and wash, then we're going to do that until everything's clean. You know, visiting team towels. If you were the home team, the 125, 150, however many towels that you gave them, you've got to get all those washed, folded, put away. So uh, there, there are plenty of other jobs to do post-game, after a game, that really kind of get overlooked. And they're just monotonous, tedious, time-consuming, not fun jobs. Yeah, that's all the, the that's all huge. I mean, really, especially after a road game, but home games too. When you talk about all the trunks that you take on the road and you bring it back, you unload the truck the night if it's a close game the night of or the next day on Sunday if if it takes the truck a while to get back, but that all has to be then put back together. When I leave for road games, a lot of times the equipment room just looks kind of like a bomb went off because everything's moved out of the way to get this out and students might not have put it back. I'm not freaking out about it. We got to get this thing loaded and get on the road. So there's a lot of times that it just looks wow after game day. Um, And the students are huge and helping getting that all cleaned back up and put back into place so that by the time we get to to Monday morning, it looks like an office again. But uh, (laughs) I I think that's, that's always um, overlooked for sure. But, the thing that I've always appreciated the most was like most teams um, will go and, and have some kind of travel outfit. Even at, even at home, a lot of teams will stay in hotels to keep kids out of trouble, make sure they're going to bed at the right time, things like that. So you're giving them their travel suits even for home games. And the student managers, I mean, when you talk about all that stuff's marked one way or another with their number or name or something, but once you wash, dry, you know, you pull it out of their travel bags and, get all that stuff sorted you're talking about you know maybe you got a travel party of 70 75 and you've got one person maybe two people at full time to then zip all those jackets back up fold them put them back in the bag then you got to do the pants you got to do shirts usually there's some kind of shoes involved maybe there's a polo or a second shirt like that's a lot so that's one of those things that you're like okay i'll be here all night doing this on a sunday or a monday whenever you you know, you do that um, task, but you look at a student manager staff and they'll get it done in a couple hours. And you're just like, oh, thank you. I mean, oh, they basically stay so much time. Yeah, I mean, they're, they are true time savers. And again, like you said, a lot of a lot of what they do goes unnoticed and uh, kind of underappreciated. So, you know, we that's why we started this podcast. We definitely wanted to talk about, some, you know, the unsung heroes of, of athletic equipment and the athletics world in general. So for those of you that are listening... Thank you. I mean, seriously, we wouldn't be able like full time equipment managers wouldn't be able to do what they do uh, without you guys. So seriously, thank you. But Scott, with that, let's go ahead and just take a quick break uh, and we'll come back and talk a little bit more in detail about some of the other things that, you know, we do some of the random tasks that end up being incredibly important throughout throughout the week uh, for especially football equipment managers. Welcome back, guys. Uh, Scott, let's talk a little bit about, you know, truly breaking down what a a typical week will look like for a student manager. And this is kind of based off of our experiences. I know some schools and some departments, they'll schedule this differently and it'll look a little different. Uh, But for the most part, this is kind of what what you see. And let's start kind of on a Monday. And usually, and I say this usually, it's not every school. A lot of schools will, will... 
have an off day for the for the players for the student athletes on a Monday, um, just kind of like their true rest recovery day to to not have anything going on. They might have some meetings, uh, but there's no requirement for them practice wise. And I generally tried to give the student managers that day off as well. Yeah, I've, I've been at places even even at the same place. It just depends on the coaches more often than not. Where some coaches think you need to be in there on Sunday and do some rehab type stuff, keep them moving, don't let any you know, thing build up in the body, just get them in the training room, make sure they're not, you know, partying Saturday night and all day Sunday. So I have one coach that actually, I think it ended up helping the kids a lot, but he started about midway through the year when he knew guys were getting real tired, they would do Sunday pool workouts. And I thought that was pretty interesting. I haven't really seen it done anywhere else. The laundry was miserable, but, (laughs) but it was cool. I mean, the guys kind of enjoyed it and broke up the monotonous of the season monotony of the season but then the other thing i've seen is is the monday day off personally for me i prefer having sunday be the day off because then i'm in there by myself doing the game laundry putting things back together and stuff like that watching nfl football leaving for a couple hours and you know going to buffalo wild wings or something getting some wings watching nfl football coming back finishing the job but monday you gotta work a nine to five anyway so yeah yeah, if I'm going to be there anyway, I might as well use that as a practice day as opposed to Sunday being another day of practice where I know a lot of t- like uh, Richmond when I was there, like we did like a seven o'clock walkthrough, 7 p.m. So I was there all day and then I, I didn't get out of there till like nine o'clock each night. And I would just, yeah, it's not the best. But either way, when you've got that day off, it's good to to give the student managers that um, if Monday's a day off day and you're up there on Sunday, they've got to be there. So when I've taken their entire weekend, because um, Friday night we're, you know, doing some last minute locker room stuff. Saturday we have a game, and Sunday there's this practice they have to be at. I'm giving them Monday afternoon off. I mean, they need time to catch up on classes because, as you'll see through the rest of the week, kids are here a lot, and a, a lot of times they're actually there more than the student athletes, um, just because they're some of the first kids there to get the practice set up, and they're some of the last to leave to get everything cleaned up and stuff. So. With that, their classes are important too, and I've always tried to challenge my kids to maintain that 3.0 while they're doing it. But if, if you're going to have that standard for them, you've got to meet them halfway and kind of give them as much time off as possible. Yeah, you have to give them the opportunity to succeed. But moving to, to Tuesday, that's usually kind of your toughest practice day, right? Yeah. Some of your old school coaches at this point, and I, I say that just because of the way that the sport has changed, but this might be like your only day of full pads uh, if you do it. Yeah. But the, the managers will show up and, you know, we'll, we'll give them the, the practice schedule. Hopefully we've gotten it from the, the football guys or the coaches at that point. So we'll kind of go over what the day's layout will be. And they'll get, if they haven't already gotten them ready, but all the ball bags ready, if there's anything that they'll need to take out specifically for practice from the equipment room, they'll get all that ready to go. And then generally I just send them straight out to the field to go start getting everything set up. Yeah, same. And I mean, it's even, I've been with staffs where we never went full pads after camp. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You never tackle, and it's really an NFL style look at things where it's lighter practices, more focus on, you know, the fitting and the fundamentals of stuff. You're not really worried so much about, you're more worried about the scheme than you are the the actual making a tackle because they figure you're a division whatever college football player. You should know how to tackle at this point. So so. different philosophies, but even without that hard hitting Tuesday practice of old, 
it's still usually your longest practice. You're the furthest away from a game at that point um, of your main practice days. So you kind of got more time to recover. And, and it's usually a let's get our foot off the gas and let them heal up and get rested on that Thursday, Friday type thing. And then, boom, they're ready for Saturday as opposed to the other way where you might be leading up to something. Um, so Tuesday is always, always the longest day of practice and at the end of all these days there's laundry some schools you have like a laundry assistant where it's a separate thing um some schools it's on a full-time person to do it i at a lot of the schools i've been at it's been a rotation between student managers so it's been you got 10 kids you got just for math's sake but you got five nights a week you know, one or two kids are going to stay every night. So you've got laundry, you know, once a week or twice a week or once every two weeks, whatever it may be. So that's a big one because that takes about three hours, probably, I would say. Is that about right? Usually about three hours. I mean, you're looking at, regardless of whatever it is, you're doing practice jerseys and then you're doing all the game loops or the game loops, practice loops and, and towels. So depending on how many washes you have and getting everything issued back out, about three hours. Yeah, and it's three hours, it's but it's about twenty-five minutes of actual. Yeah, and it's bad that I even have to think about how long that takes. That just shows how long we've been in this quarantine situation. But yeah. the uh, the that's you're right. You said twenty-five minutes of actual work. It really doesn't take that long. It takes an annoying amount of time, but it doesn't take that long to pass out the laundry once it's clean. Um, if you've got um, issue bins, um, little cubbies that are numbered, each player gets one. So instead of having to walk through and put everything in their lockers, these things in, you don't know where it's just little cubbies that players can access from the other side. So you can just dish everything out real quick. But that being said, it, it's it's kind of it's things that you got to be there late after practice and do that. But at the same time, I always tell my kids, like, hey, do your homework. If you're up here just waiting on things to get done in the washer to move to the dryer or in the dryer to get pulled out. So. You know, a wash cycle and dry cycle, the average time for those is like 45 minutes. So you might as well sit there and do homework. Well, if you're caught up, great. Netflix is a thing. So, yeah, play video games for all I care, but just make sure you get the work done and yep. don't sit there and try and log five hours to do laundry because I know it doesn't take. Yeah. And then getting into the next day, Wednesday, it's really more of the same. Usually the practices, but the hours aren't that different for the students. I mean, about the same time. Practice will start about the same time, and usually just ends a little sooner. But you may have more duties that night. You may, you may, you know, have a duty that takes a little longer than what you're doing after practice on Tuesdays. Usually, that was one of the nights that I would say for the helmet night to do the tightening, like we talked about earlier. You got to tighten everything, make sure everything's sanitized, so that we're protecting our players against staff infections and everything else. And then at some point in there, you're going to decal. Um, depending on what program you're at and kind of what your weekly schedule looks like, that that duty may move around, especially if you have game helmets versus just having a practice set be your game set of helmets. But you're going to decal the helmets. Student managers help a lot with that. Usually it's we clean the outside of the helmet, get the scuffs off, and everyone can do that. And then the trusted few will help those, those full-time get those decals right because the last thing you want to do is have a lot of people doing decals because if you've got a decal that can be angled in in a way, every helmet will be different. <laughs> and that's not even a knock on all the student managers. It's just, if there's that many hands doing it, not everyone's going to do it exactly the same. So, uh, I'm incredibly particular about decals. I'll watch games at this helmets and just be like, who is the slappy 
that helmet because that looks like trash. I mean, yeah, I was so particular about helmets, but we're gonna we're gonna move on from that because I could talk about helmet stuff and decals. Yes, Patrick's getting worked up. Yeah, but so Thursdays and a typical Thursday, if you're playing a, a normal game week on a Saturday, will be very similar with your practice prep and your typical practice field setup and all of that. But chances are, if it's a long road game, long road trip, you might be setting out uh, travel bags this week for the players to fill their fill their travel bags. Game just depending on where you're playing. If it's a, a flight for the players, you're going to send the truck out probably either that day, that night, or the next morning. So players, the student managers have to set all that out, and then they'll be in the locker room after practice helping collect the bags, make sure the players have everything that they need in their bag. Because, I mean, couldn't tell you how many times a guy forgot to put his dang helmet in his bag. And Yeah, and that happens, and you get so frustrated with players when stuff like that happens. But at the same time, I, I look at it as, like, they're getting ready for the week. They know that we're getting closer to the game. They're, they're long hours just like we are, and they've got classes, social life. they got so much going on that time of the week. It's nuts. So it is every equipment manager with, you know, worth anything will have that checklist that it's, you just tell that you don't even, you just have a roster printed off with a highlighter. And you got one student who makes sure I, I always do it. Um, I have the players bring the stuff out of the truck if it's, if I'm at a place where it's convenient for them. I've been at a place where we had to park the truck kind of off to the side that wasn't near any exit for them. So we would just have them leave it at the door and load it up for them in, in bins and bring them out. But when, before they go on the truck, it's open that thing up. Do we got helmet, shoulder pads, two pairs of cleats. we got thigh pads, knee pads. If they're a lineman, make sure they have their braces and that kind of thing and, and mouthpiece and all that good stuff. And if they've got everything, then, then they get highlighted and we throw it on there. And that helps us know that we've got everyone that's on the travel party, but that also helps us know they're highlighted they had everything they needed because the last thing you didn't it's happened to me before is you get somewhere um and someone doesn't have their shoulder pad whereas they got marked off which is why we bring extra but they got marked off and they came up and like hey um i forgot my shoulder I'm like yeah we know we went to put them on <laughs> went to put your jersey on the pad last night and said hmm that's gonna be a problem so you fit them for shoulder pads right there before the game start or they look at the shoulder pads that are in the like, oh this is the guy that's next to me. I, I grabbed the wrong shoulder pads or I grabbed the wrong. Yeah. I mean, honest mistakes do happen. Guys will come up and be like, hey, these don't fit. These are uh, such and such as I grabbed the wrong pads. He just, they were on the floor next to my locker after practice. It happens. But that's why, you know, we double check things. We triple check things. Um, when you're packing that truck, a lot of times it's on Thursday for Saturday games. It can be the day of the week on these Thursday, Friday night games. If you're in the MAC and you play on really any day of the week, it seems like. Action. Maction, baby. Um, we need football season this year, if for no other reason, to make sure we have Maction. It is a national treasure. Um, but we need to, you know, that changed things. But when you're packing the truck, you've got checklists. I, mean, I you know, everyone's seen them um, on Twitter and stuff like that now. But equipment trucks can go from the smallest sized, you know, van uh, that you haul, you know, megs to semis. I mean, if, if you're talking about, you look at those semis and you open them up and you're like, how is there all of this stuff on here? I mean, you, when, when I was in the NFL, we had 40 something trunks and it's just like, what is in all that? It's the entire equipment. That's what people don't understand is, is most of what you bring is 
everything in the equipment room. You're not taking everything off the shelves and putting it in there. But on your shelves, you're going to find this shirt. You're going to find that hoodie. You're going to find these accessories, these wristbands, whatever it may be. You've got some of those in a trunk. And every, like you talked about earlier, you've got your, your, your equipment issue window kind of trunk that you have in the locker room before games. Well, there's, you know, one of those for the locker room. There's one of those for the sideline. There's the backup helmet trunk, the backup shoulder pad trunk. You've got the headset systems. And you've got all this stuff that you're taking in a tire equipment room. Then you go down the hall and you get all the trainer stuff. Because the trainers are going to bring all their coolers. They're going to bring all their sideline trunks that have cups and, and Gatorade pat, uh, pouches that have the powder in there to mix and the cups. And then they've got all their Band-Aids, medicine, just everything. And then media is going to come. <laughs> They're going to bring all their stuff. So really, as, as long as everyone makes sure they get their stuff to us, we always make sure it gets packed. It's always packed in a certain way. We have a checklist for our stuff and, and everyone else if they provide us what, what all they're bringing. And it's a big thing that, that you don't play away games if, if that truck doesn't get packed correct. Yeah, and I mean, I, at, at Georgia Southern, I had I always had you literally on the truck on the day that we packed the truck because also when it comes down to it, if you have a small or smaller truck, I mean, we had what, like a 26-foot box yeah, truck? 26-foot box, I mean, which is... I'll, it's a big truck, but you're also looking at moving about 150, almost 200 people total yeah. from one place to another to set up an entire, you know, production. So, I mean, you're playing Tetris, trying to get everything to fit right to, to maximize the amount of space you can use. And yeah. it was always, you know, you're always doing something different because there's always something different you're taking each week. And, yep. it, you know, it, it was important to have somebody there uh especially you know if i couldn't be there if your full-time person couldn't be there you needed to have somebody a student manager wise that you could trust to make sure that everything that needed to get on that truck was getting on that truck and you were you know good enough and we we trusted you enough that kind of you had checklists and you knew what what should be on here and what should be getting brought out to you and there i mean like you said with checklists i mean i had checklists upon checklists on checklists like i had a checklist to check the checklist just to make sure that we weren't yeah. leaving anything behind because there's probably every single equipment manager in the country has forgotten something at some point. I mean, let's be honest, it, it happens like jerseys oh, or yeah. whatever it may be like it, it does happen, but you make that mistake and it'll never happen again type thing. Right. Yeah. You just hope it's something that you can either pick up at the store the night before or, you know, do without. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, of course it's happened. And that's why equipment managers all have that dream that, reoccurs every so often where you're like oh babe i had a nightmare oh what happened well we were all we were at such and such conference game and i didn't have this <laughs> and they just roll their eyes at you and, and, you, and your significant other will go back to sleep but it's such a fear because it's it's the worst thing imaginable you know that you forget something like that so it's a big part of the job you do have to have the checklist you have to have someone out there um making sure it's getting done right but it's another one of those things that the way to do it right and the way it needs to be done without student managers, it's not going to get done and, and things will get overlooked. Things will be forgotten or you'll have <clears throat> full-time guys standing there on a truck loading stuff till three in the morning. Yeah. I mean, it, it wouldn't get done and the truck needs to leave at a certain point. If it has to leave on Thursday, you got to make sure that sucker's packed and ready to go. So it's, it's a very important thing. This move to Friday, though, uh, kind of typically your travel day, you might do a walkthrough at your facility. 
yeah if that's if that's the case then you have your walkthrough apparel usually you know i had walkthrough loops when i was at richmond that we would give to guys and coach would get them outside for you know 20 30 minutes to just go through last minute things and just making sure that the people that are on you know like punt and hands team and everything they called it they knew where they needed to be at any given point in time and so those guys come back in quickly shower change and they're getting on the getting on the bus or whatever it may be to either bus to go to the airport or just a bus to, for the, for a short, quick trip. And you need to have student managers there. One to handle part of that laundry, to get all that stuff back from those guys. And two to, for last minute details, right? I mean, if there's anything that you might've found that you forgot to get on that truck and the truck's not there, you have a, a good chance to get that on, on the bus or the plane to, to get to your game so that, you know, nothing gets left behind. And yeah. Then, Always got to have that trusty walkthrough crew, you know, that, that if you're if you're at a place that you can leave <clears throat> early Friday morning to get that locker room stuff set up. Once you get there, you've got to have trusted student managers to stay behind and, and not give out everything in the equipment room. <laughs> well, yeah, the I mean, that's, that, not home. Exactly. That's another big thing. I mean, especially when you're at a smaller school. I mean, there were definitely times that I drove a truck to where we needed to go for the games and it would sometimes be me and another student manager and then it was up to the student managers left to handle walk through and getting everything on the truck and making sure nothing gets forgotten and me and the the manager that i brought with me would get to the to the visiting locker room and we'd start unpacking bags i mean we would set up the locker room make sure that you know some coaches like having offense on one side defense on the other or they just want it in number order however they want it we set it up that way and like I said, unpack the bags because a lot of this stuff, I mean, if it's shoulder pads, they probably wore it the day before at Thursday's practice. So you want to set them out, let them air out a little bit. <clears throat> Chances are I'm going through and spraying everything down anyway to try and make it not smell like straight ass in the locker room. I mean, you don't want it to smell bad in there when they get there. But it's, I mean, just tiny little details, making sure that everything, you know, they have everything as well and getting the locker rooms preset like you had said earlier, too. If you get more done the day before, you might be able to come in a little bit later on yeah. game day. Well, and that's huge because when you're on the road, um, especially, it's you're not sleeping in your own bed, so the sleep's never as good. But if you've got a noon kickoff and you're talking about you need to be there six hours before, you know, you're talking about getting there at 6 a.m. Some stadiums won't even be open yet, but aside from that, it's – you don't want to get the kids up and you don't want to get up that early to do that. So the more you can do on Friday night, then, you know, okay, now we're talking about team will be there for a noon game. Most teams will show up two and a half. So we're talking about nine thirty, ten, 10, you know, whatever. So those noon kickoffs, those are, those are the rough ones. But if you can get it, the, you know, the most amount done possible before the kids start yelling at you because they're hungry. Um, <laughs> then, yeah. then and you can do that, which Funny story, I had some students that to this day will still say that I'm a tyrant because I didn't feed them. We got on a bus and had to travel, I think it was like eight hours because we just needed, the team wasn't leaving until too late. We needed to do our Friday stuff. So we're on the bus for a long time. We stop at a gas station and get some snacks at like, you know, 11 or something. And it just didn't even dawn on me. I was so focused. It was a long season and I was so um, tired, but also stressed just going through all this stuff and we never stopped to get food and it just didn't even, I wasn't hungry. It never dawned on me. I had like a bag of chips 
and I was sleeping for most of that trip just because what are you going to do while you're sitting on a bus and uh, with all these students and then you wake up and um, we get there and it's like three in the afternoon. We left at the crack of dawn and we get there. We're sitting there working. We're set at a locker room. They were probably like, hey, we can't put any more jerseys on pads so we eat something. Like, we're about to die. I'm like, what? Guys, we go get dinner when we're done. Like, what are y'all freaking out? Like, we never ate lunch. <laughs> so then it just all, yeah, I guess we didn't. So now they still joke that I'm a tyrant because I had them in their set of the locker room, didn't stop and feed them. I'm awful. So then you're ordering pizzas and stuff like that. But it's one of those things that it gets so routine and so monotonous that you just get this tunnel vision, like you know what happens next, that sometimes you forget things. But it it is so important, and you're so focused on getting all of it done because you don't want to have to get up too early on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, early Saturdays are the worst. But, I mean, then you're looking at, you know, actually on game days, post-game. I mean, we talked about kind of what your game day responsibilities are and what happens. Post-game, uh, you get back from, from a road game, and you have all your player bags. And hopefully... You know, the truck or the plane. I mean, for me, on a on a trip back, depending on when the truck would get back, if the truck's getting back on that, you know, Saturday, that night, my, my student managers were hanging around until the bags got back and they were unloading them in the lockers and bringing the bags back into the equipment room. Now, if the truck didn't get back till Sunday, then they would come in Sunday morning and do that. But I couldn't, I mean, it was one of those things where you can't do it by yourself. Uh, if, if we did, no. then like you said, I'd, I'd literally be there all night. So, um, that's just one more thing to, that, you know, I guess really doesn't go noticed or people don't realize the team gets back, they get to go party, do whatever it is they want to do. And there's an extra couple hours probably just waiting for the truck or whatever it may be to unload everything, put everything away, get laundry started. And, and then we can send them on their way. Yeah. Yeah. That's. That's the big thing, uh, the the Saturday stuff with, you know, everything that you did on Thursday, packing that truck, it takes so long and it, you're so careful about it and everything else, and then it comes off so fast. Even if it's 3 in the morning, you know, on Saturday or Sunday morning, I guess, it doesn't matter what time it is, those kids are so ready to go home. Whenever you get that truck back, it's unpacked. It's almost a like a relief when you go somewhere far because you know the truck's not going to be back till Sunday afternoon. So we're going to get back late Saturday. We're going to go get some sleep and come in in the afternoon and be rested with a Chick-fil-A bag in our hand or something and, and start unpacking that truck. And it's, it's a little bit more uh, higher morale for those unpacks, but it, it goes on slow and it comes off quick. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're meticulous about it getting packed, but then it is, the, the quickest thing trying to trying to get at I mean even post game packing the truck to come home I mean you you get that sucker packed up quick because the quicker you get it packed the quicker you can hit on the road the quicker you get back and unload everything so there's a lot of incentive there for them to be able to out and go out and party with with their friends or the football players for that matter but um, <laughs> nope not yeah and then yeah. Sundays I mean we talked a little bit about this kind of if you have a day where you're coming in for walkthrough or recovery day, uh, you're finishing laundry and that's, that's kind of like your cleanup day, cleaning the locker room up, cleaning the, the equipment room up, especially getting everything back to where it needs to be only to get ready to do it again in five, six days. Yeah. I always tell my students that, um, this is a lot. If you can survive camp, you can survive anything because there's no games. 
It's long days. It's hot. It's, it's it's miserable. No one's ever excited about football camp. I think even the coaches who, you know, get all excited about it and are, they tweet about how excited they are, blah, 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 blah. Even after a quarantine, I still don't think anyone's going to tell you, like, yeah, football camp's awesome. It's long days for everybody. And it's a right. grind and you for a reason. But then once the season starts, my kids, I'm always like, hey, this is it, man. Like, pay attention. Don't blink. Because you're going to blink, and then it's going to be week eight. And you're just like, holy crap, we played eight games. We're six and two. We, I feel like we just started. It flies by, even with a bye week. That's usually when you reflect, and you're like, wow, we're already this way through the season. But it's it's so fast because it's the same. And that's the nice part is you can – it doesn't matter if you, you know, your season ends around Thanksgiving because you didn't make playoffs or a bowl or whatever it may be, or if you go all the way to the national championship in January. When there's games going on, it just – like that. I mean, it's gone. So enjoy the moment. Um, if, you're, if you're a current student manager, know that you're going to get down each other's throats because this is a lot of, a lot of work done in very close proximity to the same people for you know months at a time but man is it a, is it rewarding when the team is a good especially but just when you do something right and you get that occasional thank you or you realize that a coach or a player comes up and they're panicked because they don't have something and you know that you packed an extra and you, you get to be the guy that's like here gotcha and then you see that that fear that someone else has because they weren't prepared alleviate because you were that those little moments throughout the year keep you going for another couple of weeks. Yep. Exactly. Well, I mean that I think that's going to wrap up the you know the the week. Let's just quickly touch if you have, you know, some of your favorite moments from, you know, when you were a student manager, whether it be with a coach player, a staff member, um, you know, just to kind of reminisce about the the good old days. Yeah. And, responsibilities weren't as high and stress levels weren't nearly as high the entire year of 2012 i would like to forget because the assistant equipment manager for georgia southern at the time was one of the worst people i've ever known in my life um that's a lie now uh (laughs) so no i mean that was that was actually a really fun year um we could do story time after story time on experiences you and i had that year um i think it's kind of clear through this podcast we have similar personalities and sense of humors and that led to some very interesting times, but there's a lot of team building things that went down with players and coaches that you can't really uh, divulge on here. But I would say one of the ones that, that was really, really fun for me and experience was I was at Georgia Southern. Um, when we went and beat the university of Florida and that was just cool just because it had been a bad year. It was our last year as an FCS program um, and by our standards, it was a rough year with that game. I think we finished seven and four, but we knew we couldn't go to the playoffs. And bef- the three years before that, we'd gone to the semifinals. So we were always so close um, to making a national championship, but never got there. So then that year, you lose four games already going into that. And you know, you're not going to the playoffs. You know, the season's going to be over before Thanksgiving. You're just kind of like, eh, what are we playing for? Mm-hmm. We're going to go to last game of the year and get drugged by an SEC. It was it was a uh, kind of a weird year, just down. No one was really. I mean, we had a lot of people graduate the year before on our staff too, so it was kind of like a new staff. So no one was that close yet, and we were starting to get there towards the end of the year. And then you go down there and you win a close game against an SEC school, 
um, as your last game as an FCS opponent or school, I guess. Um, so it was really cool. A lot of excitement there. We were all celebrating it. Um, I've still got the photo. Actually, one of our managers printed off photos for everybody and gave them out. So I've still got that one in a frame that sits on my desk just because it was a cool experience. But little things like that, I think, I think make the job worth, worth it. We could sit here and have an entire episode on managers, uh, student manager stories, but, but I think we'll we'll probably end up doing, I mean, let's be honest. We'll probably be honest, but yeah, I mean, I'd like to hear some of your favorite student manager stories, but they all happen at app state. So I really don't care. Well, I mean, (laughs) he's probably going to say something about beating Georgia Southern. He'd be like, Oh, the best memory was beating Georgia Southern by 50. Well, I mean, that was just, that's a given. I mean, the teams that I've had when I was there were, elite i mean they had just absolute studs and i mean it was just one of those things where that team was full of d1 talent when it really came down to it i mean they had just absolute studs that got overlooked and somehow in recruiting and uh, put together just an absolute force of of a football program there for probably about six years total um but i mean obviously i could say going up to michigan beating michigan a top five ranked team in the country at the time and kind of shocking the world It'll mm-hmm. go down as the greatest upset in college football history. Uh, but that same year, I mean, that team went on to win a national championship, and I was there for that too, which was – beating Michigan was amazing, winning a national championship, and, you know, going out on top like that. I mean, it really – beating Michigan would not have meant as much if we didn't win the national championship that year. So um, that really, really meant a lot. And then, I mean, just like the, the people that you work for, um, like you and I, I mean, we're still – we're still close. I mean, we're good friends at this point um, in terms of like turning from a boss employee relationship to a friendship. And I'm still close with the two guys that I worked for at, at app and still talk to them. And, you know, especially Josh, who's down at, he's at Louisville now. He's the DFO at Louisville. I mean, he and I talk often and I mean, he's the reason I got the job at Georgia Southern when it all comes down to it. He was the one who told me about it and he kind of reached out to Stu. So, you know, it's, the relationships that you can can carry outside of being a student, just the, the people that you get to meet, and like you, I mean, look at look at how many NFL talent guys are on that team uh, at at Southern when you were there, and how many guys that I mean, I don't know if you still keep up with any of them, but there was like four guys that ended up in the league off of that squad, and that's pretty amazing coming from yeah. an FCS program. So it it is those guys are often. Um, you know, they really, they really do make it, you know, kind of cool where if I think the big schools, you take pride if, if you were a student there or an employee there, I think you take pride and I don't want to, you know, I think the guys who worked at Clemson are very proud of Deshaun Watson, but at the same time, you're Clemson. And I think if you come from one of these small schools where you've only got a handful of guys in the league at any given point, it's really, it's really cool to be able to say, A, you were there with them, but B, you're really happy to see those guys that maybe they had a long shot, you know, of a chance to make it. You're happy to see them make it and do well. Um, so I think that part is really cool. But it, it's still cool. Like you said, no matter where you're at, it's still something to be proud of. I think that the best part, like you said, is the people. And while my favorite um, event, I guess, as, as a student manager would have been either that Florida game or winning a bowl game or, you know, just something where you accomplish something together – I think the best memories are, are often packed, you know, 10 people in a 12 passenger van going, you know, to a conference game or something together. And, and just 
those late nights where at the time you were miserable and wanted to get out of there and get to the bars or get to your friends or whatever you might want to do. The fact that you have stories from that is, is awesome. I mean, I met my wife doing, doing the job as a student manager. So there's plenty of memories that we can look back on now where we were not dating at the time and we laugh at it, but it's, it's one of those things that it, it'll, whether you stay in equipment or not as a student manager, you're going to look back on that time and say that it was some of your most favorite memories. I've got two friends who, uh, who I talk to almost daily. We're in a group chat together that one is a pilot now, um, but he was an assistant equipment guy at Georgia Southern and the other one, you know, works in like finance and stuff, but he was a student manager and we've kept in touch. We talk about our alma mater, you know, a good bit. We, and we've got those lifelong friendships and, they still talk about their time working in athletics because it's something that's just so different from the day-to-day office life or, or, I mean, he's a pilot, so I guess that doesn't really apply, but it's so different and, and so few people really know the ins and outs, the degree that we do that it's, it's memories that you're going to, you're going to cherish forever. It's, it's really like a fraternity in a lot of ways. It really is. And like you said, that's, it's something you're going to take with you through life and, just the, the different experiences and different things you learned will, in my opinion, they've only helped me uh, yeah. in every aspect of life. And, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't have traded doing that as a student for anything in the world. So, uh, you know, if, if anybody is interested in doing it and you're on the fence about it, go in, go in head first and just enjoy the crap out of it. Because no matter what, even if your team stinks, you're going to have fun around the people that you work with because Anybody that works in athletics, it's, it, I mean, it's all one big family and we all get it. We know what, what we're all going through and you try to make the most out of every, every single moment. So uh, enjoy it and hopefully you'll be able to grow some friendships and relationships like we have. I mean, I'm not going to say you're going to find your wife like Scott did, um, but <laughs> you should. No, it's not always a given. No. Um, but I mean, that's, that's a, it's a great story. I mean, I was there kind of around the beginning of, of you two. And I used to give you crap about it all the time, but uh, yeah, you know, funny enough, everyone always did and we denied it. And no, there's nothing there. And it's funny how that works out that everyone can see it, but us, but there's, there's a lot of memories that I have that I thank the people who were my bosses um, for guiding me to this career and, and making me better about it. But at the same time, now being on the other side of it, those students teach you and do just as much for you as, as you know, your bosses did for you at the time. So it's, it's a really symbiotic relationship. It's awesome. It's really a family thing. I'd be, I'd be a bad person if I didn't, it's probably bad that it's taken me this long, but shouting out um, Colby Smith, who was a student manager of mine who actually made the logo for our podcast. It's just things that it's, it's those, those things that they do for you. And, that you do for them that it's cool to see them be able to do things like that. And Colby's going to, going to be great. Like a lot of my other student managers will be, but you see them go out into the real world and start killing it. And it's like, I was just yelling at that kid, you know, not a year or two ago because they couldn't put socks, you know, with the label out or whatever it may be. I couldn't figure out a laundry loop and I was yelling at them about it or where to put a laundry loop in an issue bin. And now they're out designing aircraft like some of the kids that I had at, at Cincinnati, like an aeronautical engineer. So I'm like, all right, well, I mean, you figured out life, so good for you. Yeah. And I, a lot of them will probably give some credit to their experiences in the equipment room. But man, I mean, 
I say I say it every day, man. You student managers, they keep me young. I know words um, and probably use words that I would never have in my vocabulary if if not for keeping up with current trends from student managers. I don't know that um, I would know what lit means if not for them. So to make myself sound old, but it's, yeah, you use it's it too much. Just so you know, that uh, oh, just. <laughs> <laughs> just to keep just to keep me young man and, and the music and stuff but it's such a symbiotic relationship and i feel like it's important to say that because i don't think as a student i realized it and i don't think students today realize how much they are appreciated and how much they're rubbing off on their bosses um while they may be aware that their bosses are clearly rubbing off on them yeah absolutely and i don't know i mean i'm not gonna be able to add anything to that so i think you know we should we should probably wrap it up here because we're not going to find anything else better to, to, to kind of let students out there know how, how much <laughs> we love them and we need them around. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. We're going to bring some students on, be on the lookout for that. We're going to talk to some of them and kind of get kind of there. Um, it's easy for us, I think, to look back on our experiences now in hindsight, but hindsight's always 2020. So I think it'll be good for us to get some students on here and kind of share their insights while they're, living through that period of life and kind of what they think about the whole situation. And it's going to be cool for us to see kind of how things are different for students around the country. Thank you all again. Um, I sent out a tweet thanking everybody, but I mean, it's awesome that we put out a tweet just saying, Hey, if you got a student or you are a student, you want to come on the podcast and talk to us. Uh, we want to highlight some student managers and what they do. And I mean, uh, we've had so many emails of people reaching out, want to do this. So, it was going to be a one episode interview type kind of thing. And now I think we're going to use it as an opportunity to really get several students on and, and really compare and contrast experiences. And I'm really excited. about it. I think it's going to be fun. Yeah. I'm pumped about this one. This one's going to be really cool. And like you said, we, we weren't expecting the the response that we got to this and it, it really made it easy for us to, to get together and talk about making it a, a series and, and reaching out. So uh, those of you who who did reach out to us, you should be hearing from us this week about trying to set up kind of a time and, and place to, to talk to y'all. And we we really are are looking forward to it. And thank you guys again so much for for your support and, and listening to us and, and wanting to reach out and help us keep this going. So awesome. Well, everybody, it was it was awesome hearing from y'all. Feel free to uh, reach out to us if you have any suggestions or if you're a student manager and, and you're interested in one day maybe being on the podcast. We are at ODAA podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on the Twitter at ODAA podcast. And we're going to give a little special shout out here. We got uh, a voice memo from. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we got a voice memo from a fan and uh, we're going to play that here for you guys at the end of the episode before, uh, before the music. And, you know, we, we appreciate your support again, like I said, and hearing from you guys, we would love to hear from more of you and letting us know if there's something you want us to be doing better, or if there's anything else that you want us to do, please reach out by either email or, uh, through anchor.fm our uh, our website. You can, you can send us a little voice memo and um, maybe we'll put you guys on here as well. But again, thanks a lot. And we'll be seeing you guys next week. See ya. Hey guys, just wanted to say I'm really enjoying you guys' podcast. Awesome catch up with you. Uh, Josh from uh, Helmet Tracker and uh, 
so used to getting out and seeing you guys in your corner rooms. And it's been nice to touch base with you guys and talk, listen to you talk about you know, what's going on in the industry. So keep it up and uh, let us know if we can ever help out.